0: There is a, um, a little monument in Kapiolani Park that was placed there at the 100th anniversary, 1976, I think, that's supposed to be opened 100 years later. I have a, something written in there which assumes it will be underwater. Uh, now, this is 1976. I'm saying then the park's gonna be underwater. I did television programs Uh, that were used in the schools that talked about Waikiki being underwater. I live in Waikiki. I'm concerned about that. We're still debating it. He
1: offers educated forecasts of what the future may hold for the coming decades. Jim Dater, next on Long Story Short. One-on-one engaging conversations with some of Hawaii's most intriguing people. Long Story Short with Leslie Wilcox. Aloha my Kako, I'm Leslie Wilcox. What does the future hold? It's a question that we ask ourselves from time to time. Jim Dator of Waikiki has spent the last 50 years pondering and researching this very question. Dr. Dator is Professor Emeritus and the Director of the Hawaii Research Center for Future Studies at the University of Hawaii at Manoa. As a futurist, he studies a multitude of trends, ranging from social and environmental conditions to technology, and then develops forecasts, or alternative futures, for the next few decades and beyond. He's a pioneer in this academic field and is an internationally respected voice in futures studies. While there are misconceptions about what futurists do, the field of futures studies continues to grow and has gained traction worldwide. I think some people confuse futurists with psychics. You get you get some jokes about, well, why didn't you predict this, yes. Dr. Dater?
0: That's right. I used to have a statement, When all else fails, call a futurist. And but they call the futurists and they want that futurist to predict the future or to tell them what to do. And there are futurists that do that. There are people that call themselves futurists that do that. And they give a bad name to those of us that understand you can't allow people to think that you know what the future is. So we have a code of ethics to make sure that we are not. We can't predict what the future will be. We will engage you in a process of considering alternative futures, and you then decide to move in a certain direction. It is more of a social science than it is of a natural science. But it is theoretically based, that is to say, there are understandings of the way the world works that allows you to make statements about forecasts. So I distinguish between predicting the future and forecasting alternative futures. And we still want to be able to be precise in the old scientific reductionist way.
1: When you're familiarizing people with uh, what your alternative futures or future alternatives. It must sound pretty bizarre sometimes.
0: Well, <laughs> yes. Again, Dater's second law of the future is any use, well, in a situation, in an environment of rapid social and environmental change, in that environment, any useful idea about the future should appear to be ridiculous because uh, the things are changing And things that are going to be important in the future are not things you've experienced before. So uh, to be a futurist, you have to not only understand the trends from the past that continue into the future, but what are called emerging issues, new ideas, new technologies, new lifestyles. And you look for them just as they're just popping out underground. And you say, so you don't make it up. You see what could be a mighty oak if it grows in a certain way, or a cactus, (laughs) it grows in a different way. And uh, therefore, you have to identify emerging issues, things that are not part of the past or the present, but which might be part of the future, and build scenarios around both the past and the emerging issues
1: that's right you can't rely on the same assumptions you don't even you know you don't even know if there are any assumptions you can make in some that's
0: true but we don't throw it all away we do have categories assume the categories will continue uh, at least for our foreseeable future but the content of those categories so transportation for example uh, will has changed and might change Communication has changed tremendously uh, over time.
1: As a futurist, Jim Dater studies the past and present to make forecasts about the future. As he was growing up, he liked the idea of looking forward rather than backward, because he and his family experienced many difficulties, starting with the death of his father, even before Jim got to know him.
0: My mother uh, did not intend to get pregnant. Uh, she was anticipating a uh, life as a musician or at least somehow related to music. She was a student at the Eastman School of Music in Rochester, New York. She got pregnant and got married, and I was born. Uh, that was all fine, except my father drowned. Uh, well, you're uh, still a baby. I'm, I'm just... Uh, about 12 about uh, 16 or 18 months old anyway she had to come back to Florida which is where she was originally from and we're talking about 1933 1934 which is the very depth of the depression and so my uh, father my grandfather was the town undertaker this is her father yes that's her father and uh, was the town undertaker in a little town called Deland, Deland, Florida. Uh, his father had been one of the pioneers that had come and uh, settled that part of uh, Florida, they were sort of fixtures in the town, having uh, the uh, f- furniture store and a uh, uh, funeral parlor uh, making uh, coffins for the, <laughs> from the furniture well, store. That
1: seems to bode well for the, the child who now has uh, additional family.
0: Well, people die, but they don't have money to pay for. So he had the job of burying people, but not necessarily being paid are not necessarily being paid in cash, but in kind. So we would get pieces of furniture or silverware or other things like that. But times were very, very tough. Uh, and for me to show up um, unwanted and for the his daughter, oldest daughter, to return instead of going off to seek her fortune, as she imagined. imagined. It's two more mouths to feed. Yeah. And so, that's right. Two more mouths to feed, and uh, one of them a scrawly brat, you know.
1: More tragedy struck Jim Jader's family in DeLand, Florida, during his youth. Within a period of two years, all of the adult males in the family, including his great-grandfather, grandfather, and uncle, passed away suddenly.
0: Dying was not only the family profession <laughs> in terms of the undertaker, but all the males in the family died uh, all at once, leaving me as the only male with three females. My grandmother, my mother, her sister, my aunt were my family uh, during the time I was young. And
1: what was your life like? Did Was it a happy childhood? No,
0: it, it was not unhappy uh, in the sense that I was well taken care of, but... Uh, my no one felt really happy <laughs> and they didn't show. So I don't ever recall being hugged and kissed, uh and being told I was a good boy or anything you, like that. Even when
1: you were a young child no. I, mean, no. I,
0: I might have been, but that's not the memory I have. I don't and I don't recall feeling oppressed or feeling that's just the way it was well you
1: don't know what's normal I no. suppose. But but um did they give they tell you um You must have been a good student.
0: Uh, Well, but that was expected. I was expected to succeed. So uh, the things I did were never praise. That was just what Jimmy did. I had to overcome that and to learn to love other people and to love people who could love me back. And so I was sort of a, a driven kid. Uh, I was extremely popular in terms of, uh, elections to things at various stages, but I never was, um, uh, a person that had hung out with a lot of people. I was friends with everybody, but not close friends with anybody. Because
1: you hadn't had that intimate connection no, in your nuclear family. It.
0: That's right. Exactly right. I hated Christmas. Let me put it that way, because all my friends got all these wonderful presents, which I never did. I would get literally a, a, an orange, or a walnut, or my uncle's refurbished uh, scooter, something like that, um, and. Uh, Therefore, it it was also the men died around Christmas time. So Christmas, which is supposed to be the big family joys time, was always sort of the saddest time. My aunt, who um, became, she joined the military also during the war, a SPAR, that's the Coast Guard, uh, which then gave her military preference, veterans preference for a really good job at the post office. She never married, never had children. She taught me how to be a man and discovered at age 80 that she was lesbian. But in between, <laughs> she never made the connection. And so I learned to be a man from this, uh, again, not loving, but matter of fact, hardworking woman. Uh, and my mother was off... Being a university professor and wouldn't didn't pay much attention. My grandmother had all this personal sorrow and hardship because she had lived a fairly good middle class life, and suddenly no money, no income. She had to do a lot of working, uh, on her own, and uh, so people were just we were just all expected to do our duty.
1: Did you ever go on a walkabout to find your father's family?
0: Well, uh, yes and no. Um, we were brought back and I never I never wondered, I never felt of the loss of a father. In fact, if I may say before I get directed to that, in looking back, I was always glad I didn't have a father when I looked at other fathers and other families with fathers. Um, I was glad that I didn't have somebody say, that's not the way we do it in this family. No one said that to me. There was no one telling me that we have to behave a certain way because this is the way the family does things. I also like my name, Dater, because it's a simple-sounding name, but there's no ethnicity attached to it whatsoever. And it turns out now in this day of the Internet that there are daters, Dator, in the Philippines. Uh, But I don't think there's any connection to that. I suspect it was something like Dieter or Datorovich, or something that got shortened to it. But at least I never had ethnicity, I never had a father, I never had a family history. And that's one of the reasons I became a futurist, I think. Because? Because I didn't have a past that was telling me how to behave. I needed to find my own identity.
1: As a young adult, Jim Dater continued to look forward while studying the past. He graduated with a degree in ancient and medieval history and philosophy at Stetson University in Deland, Florida, where his mother was a professor. He then earned a Ph.D. in political science at the American University in Washington, D.C., and briefly considered becoming a priest before deciding to center his career on
0: teaching. My very first job as a teacher was a PhD was to go to Japan where I taught in a Japanese university in a college of law and politics in Japanese for six years. I encountered a group of people from a established university in Japan called Rikkyo, Rikkyo Daigaku, in the Ikebukuro section of Tokyo, if you're familiar with it. Uh, And they had created a new college of law and politics in this old established university, one of the so-called Big Six universities. And... They wanted a new political scientist, a young political scientist, to come and bring the American style of politics to uh, that university. And they said, we'll send you to Yale to learn intensive Japanese. And so I, for uh, nine months, uh, from eight in the morning till five at night, every day, for uh, nine months, I studied oral Japanese. Uh, I didn't know how to read and write. I didn't know how to read and write anything. I just knew how to speak.
1: Futurist Jim Dator says that his six years working and teaching in Japan was a profound experience and sparked his interest in future studies.
0: And while I was there, I met a person who said, Jim, I want you to read this article I've written. It's called The Senior Partner. And it analyzes Japan as a civilization and he concluded that Japan went through the same stages in the same order that the West did, each one about the same length of time, and that Japan was 200 years ahead of the West. And I said, what? This is 1963, 64. Didn't we just beat them in a war? Aren't they underdeveloped? Aren't we the crown of creation? Well, I never argued or cared whether he was right about Japan. It just said, well, wait, we have these theories of moving from underdeveloped to developing to develop, but what's next? Development didn't say it then, and it doesn't say it now. It makes it act as though we're the end of history. Well, that is what made me a futurist. That episode in 1963, it happened to be on the day that John Kennedy was assassinated, which is another part of the story. But it—it, it, I said, okay, I'm now going to ask what's next. And so all of the work I subsequently did in future studies uh, came from that day. And I oriented all my teaching uh, towards the future from that.
1: After a half dozen years in Japan, Jim Dater returned to the United States and started the first accredited future studies program in the country at Virginia Tech. In 1969, Dr. Dater came to the University of Hawaii at Manoa to teach future studies. When he arrived, he found that Hawaii was interested in futurism and had recently launched statewide activities called Hawaii 2000 that would examine the possible futures of Hawaii.
0: When I arrived, Governor Burns and Tadao Beppu and uh, David McClung and the people in the business community and the labor unions and the university had already started something called Hawaii 2000, which was an activity to look 30 years ahead. I had nothing to do with it. It had already been created, but Glenn Page, a member of the political science department, was sort of the secretary um, of the of that, and he said, well, you know, we got this futurist at the university, why don't you join the group? And that is what really, really, beyond anything else, turned me into a futurist, because that activity, which has never been equaled anywhere in the world, never been equaled here in Hawaii, we've tried several times, but it People don't really, the powers that be, don't really want to have people thinking about alternative futures. But at that point, in 1970, statehood was good, the future was looking good, tourism was just beginning to blossom, they wanted to look ahead optimistically, and it was no holes barred. We had incredible variety of people. All islands had their own um, uh, Maui 2000, Kauai 2000, and so forth. There were uh, student groups, youth groups, uh, university groups, um, elderly groups, women's groups, uh, all sorts of different groups. I talked. if you look at the number of lectures, the number of talks I gave to groups during that time, thousands of them, Honolulu Magazine in the seventy-three or so said, I, I could have been elected governor because I knew so many people. It was an incredible opportunity, a deep dive into Hawaii uh, culture and thinking about the future. Uh, obviously one of them, still excited about it.
1: Well, interesting that you say that uh, people were excited about the future and therefore they wanted to peer into it. Do you find they don't really want to look too far if they don't
0: suspect the worst not anymore i mean even at that time we could if you read the book hawaii 2000 the book exists and there's a list of people who attended the who's who of the future as well as of the present but if you look at it all of the married women are mrs john doe none of them have their own first name there uh-huh. Can you imagine how unfuturistic <laughs> that was we, it 's embarrassing to look at that, but in any event, the groups of people who uh participated in it uh, made me very optimistic about being able to change things and all sorts of ideas there were a number of task forces, and if you read each one of the recommendations of the task forces in their area, um, uh, there was a desire to have open uh, land and high-rises and mass transit. So the idea is we would not do what actually happened, divide up and and give the, the large estates and give everybody a little piece of land. We would in fact, have as few landholders as possible holding things in trust, and we would keep land open as much as possible and use high-rises spread throughout each one of the uh, uh, islands uh, linked by mass transit. That was one example. Uh, the, the things that we got most right was we basically predicted the cell phone and uh, the network, the Internet. There was... If you read it, that's almost uh, totally predicted. And we basically uh, understood the changes in biology, genetic, genetic engineering, and so forth, all the things that are now very controversial. Uh, we understood that those would be emerging issues. Uh, so in, in the area of technology, we did a pretty good job, completely missed the entire Hawaiian Renaissance. The Hawaiians that we had on the committee, and we had a lot, were of that generation that assumed that they would, would be lost, that there would instead be what uh, Governor Burns called the golden people of the Pacific.
1: So they're probably older because uh, that that was the Western generation. And they
0: didn't speak Hawaiian and they were been forbidden to speak Hawaiian. And yet Hawaiian. The, the
1: Hawaiian Renaissance was knocking on the door it at that time. It was already
0: existing. So on the one hand we miss women's uh, liberation if you will and we miss the Hawaiian Renaissance even though they were there. So the moral to that story and it's still true, it's a lot easier to predict if you will technology than it is social changes. And that's still a problem uh, for a futurist.
1: In 1971, the state legislature established the Hawaii Research Center for Future Studies at UH Mānoa and appointed Jim Dater as its director. Dr. Dater has developed the program into a world-renowned institution for futures research and helped to educate four decades of futurists. In general, during your very long and successful career in, in academics, have people taken what you've said to heart and made changes?
0: Well, everyone said uh, at the end of Hawaii 2000 or other things, people will come up and tell me that such and such an event changed their life. So I think that individuals have acted on it, but uh, in fact there was a a point in the late 70s after the so-called Arab oil crisis, when suddenly we realize that Hawaii is not really independent, that it's highly vulnerable, that if the oil stops coming, things don't go well, in which it became forbidden to think about alternative futures. Even though Governor uh, uh, Ariyoshi used that term, The rain, and he did a a a better job than almost anyone else in doing futures work, it was still relatively select. And the thing that worked, tourism, they didn't want anything to upset that. And so you couldn't really begin to think about other alternatives. And so I'd say from that point on, this heavily citizen-based, free expression of ideas about alternative futures has been pretty much discouraged. But there are certain things, there are certain other things that I have harped on over and over and over and over again, like uh, climate change, uh, sea level rise and so forth, that we still are debating and figuring out what we ought to do about. We say we're going to do something, but in fact, we're not yet really doing anything.
1: How do you gauge your success as a future? Well,
0: when I I, uh, deal with a client... The success is not whether they enjoyed the activity. Often they do, and we'll say what I said earlier. It really changed my mind, my thinking. I, if the organization then institutionalizes future studies as part of their planning and policy making, if they hire a futurist or engage in a process of getting information from the future, of building their strategic plan around a prior futures activity, most don't. Most just go back.
1: Even after, uh, after. Uh, recruiting you and getting the, yeah, and getting it, you to join it,
0: it's they they go back. But some don't. The state of Virginia, for example, uh, did uh, incorporate futures into uh, their uh, judicial planning, and there are other examples here and there. But basically, that's my definition. Other futurists might have other criteria. Did it make a difference in the way they did business? Did they now routinely begin to try to look ahead or not? And we haven't learned to do that as people yet. And who can blame us? We have... Millions of years of responding only to immediate pressures. It's in our genes, it's in our psychology, it's in our stories. Look backwards in order to understand what lies ahead.
1: In addition to leading future studies at the University of Hawaii, Jim Dator served as Secretary General and then President of the World Future Studies Federation. Even though he's retired, he continues to travel, teach, and consult. At the time of our conversation in late 2018, he was teaching space humanity courses at the International Space University in France and the Korea Institute for Future Studies. Mahalo to Dr. Jim Dator of Waikiki, Hawaii, and thank you for joining us for this edition of Long Story Short on PBS Hawaii. I'm Leslie Wilcox. Aloha nui. Futurists who are being minted now at the Ph.D. level, how do they differ from you?
0: Well, they're a lot smarter <laughs> than I No, am. really. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's really? <laughs> uh, I have some fantastic students. In fact, on Saturday, I will hood my last Ph.D. student since I've retired from uh, the University of Hawaii. Um, and he's an absolutely fantastic guy who is already doing so many wonderful things all around the world.
1: For audio and written transcripts of all episodes of Long Story Short with Leslie Wilcox, visit PBSHawaii.org. To download free podcasts of Long Story Short with Leslie Wilcox, go to the Apple iTunes Store or visit PBSHawaii.org.